so last uh, last Wednesday, I you know have been uh, giving a guidance on the elements practice, and uh, you know the Wednesday meetings they've been mostly about just a very short uh, reflection introduction, and then a guided meditation, and then we are finishing at ten. And if some of you would like to stay on for another 15 minutes, we can have a little discussion and maybe, you know, clarify some details or so. So last Wednesday, I said, you know, we need to navigate the world differently and grow out of these human-centric stories we tell ourselves about our lives. And we have to develop different, you know, strands of intelligence, which we have forgotten, because we need to really learn from the biointelligence around us, you know, from the intelligence of the many other species who are much longer here than we ourselves. We are the youngest species here on the planet and, you know, and of the species Homo sapiens, our culture is the youngest. So we are quite immature and I think you know the poly crisis really shows us that the way how we have been conducting our business here on the planet is completely out of sync with the way nature works and that's why we got ourselves into such a mess not because we are bad but we are just like pretty you know some people have recently read a book about modernity and and the author said we are cute and pathetic you know cute and pathetic and that's how that's really it you know it we are not evil we are not bad we're just kind of pathetic you know being so convinced that we are the crown of uh, evolution and all of those ideas you know which certain ways of thinking and looking at the world have made us believe have conditioned us in this way and it's important for us to notice that and to come down from that ivory tower, come down to the ground and develop some humility. And what I find really interesting, you know, that the word humus, humility, and human, all three words start with the first, with the same three letters. H-U-M, hum. So humus, humility, and human. So that all belongs obviously together. And I think that's, to look at it in that way, you know, brings a certain amount of humor up. And I think humor is also, also starting with the same three letters, is just extremely important in times when the going gets really tough. And when there is these feelings of hopelessness and, you know, feeling stuck, feeling despairing, and maybe, you know, losing energy, getting depressed, not wanting to look at things and basically having the trauma response of numbing. You know, maybe early childhood patterns start to kick in, you know, for many, many people and just starting to turn away and, and just pretending it's all not happening. But I think, you know, everybody who is coming here to a meeting like this, I'm sure you are you want to find ways to, to engage with what's happening. And, and I think, you know, the, the main practices are, I think that on one hand, the wisdom practices with, for example, 
you know, the element practice, which is one of the four establishments of mindfulness, and the Brahma Viharas or the compassion practices. And, you know, last time I spoke about the elements, gave a guidance on that. And today I'd like to give a guidance on metta because I think, you know, the Brahma Vihara practice is also very, very important. The capacity, you know, to be able to open the mind really wide and allow that, you know, which is difficult to connect with, to just be there. And, you know, we, we are not kind of trying to temper with what comes up, but we are rather, you know, putting our energy into, <coughs> you know, is encouraging a bigger container. And there's this beautiful sutta of the lump of salt, where, you know, if I put a lump of salt into a very small cup like this, the water will start, you know, to get very bitter and salty and it can't drink it. But if I take the same lump of salt and put it in a much bigger container, maybe in a bathtub or in Lake Tahoe or whatever we want to use as an example, then, you know, I mightn't even taste it. So then the phenomenon itself, the lump of salt is just what it is, but the container within which it is perceived is so big that the waves, you know, which this lump of salt is making is, is very, very small or maybe even not perceivable anymore. So in that, you know, the Brahma-Vihara practice works in that way to embrace what is happening and then really opening the mind and allowing that to just be there and allowing it to change because everything which has a beginning has a middle and an end and we don't need to make that happen. This is just the way nature works. So on the one hand, you know, we are breaking down our assumptions of separation and solidity through, for example, one of the wisdom practices like the elements. And on the other hand, we are melting, embracing that which is difficult to be with by opening the mind wide. And the Brahma Vihara practices are, you know, one class of practices which are doing exactly that, you know, really opening up the mind very wide. So that's the two ways how we can go about, you know, coming close to those difficult questions which are up for us uh, as a species these days. And more and more people are joining in, you know, because more and more people are no longer turning away and and understanding, you know, that if we are doing this work together, it can also bring us a lot of joy and a lot of uh, sense of purpose and teaching us, you know, to bring online different qualities which have been gotten neglected over the last few hundred years, you know, where we were really focusing as a as a culture, focusing very much onto technology and science. You know, a certain manifestation of science, the so-called exact sciences. And now, you know, we can 
still you know preserve all of these important things we have learned in that way but also balancing it out with more intuitive ways of knowing and finding out who are we really you know because we can't really act in a beneficial way if we don't know who we are so you know let us find the posture we can sustain for about 40 minutes And bring your awareness to your body, the weight of your body sitting. Sitting on the cushion on the chair. And just simply breathing. And allow the breath to take you deeper into your body. and allow you know, your nervous system to guide you. And just also you know, being aware, how does that, is that easy or is the mind kind of you know, coming back up? into the head, wanting to sink, sink, sink. Whatever it is, just let it be. And no forcing. Just being aware, giving it space. You're making a short screenshot, how you're feeling coming into this meeting, you're feeling stressed or feeling peaceful, tired, just knowing where you are right now. And holding all of it in a spacious embrace. And also, you know, being aware we are doing this together. We are sitting in this communal space. All of us really interested in allowing ourselves to be changed by what is happening in the world. Acknowledging you know, that the planet is a big mirror and you know, feeling ready to open to this, to the teaching which the planet has to give us.
and at the same time holding ourselves with kindness as that brings up emotions deep emotions you know of insecurity and maybe anxiety and confusion that is to be expected So allowing your breath to take you deeper into the body and the nervous system responding. Feeling the ground underneath your cushion or your chair. And with the breath, going deeper into the ground also, like becoming aware of the roots, which take us into the ground. We are connected with the planet and the ground through the food we eat, through our ancestors, through the water we drink. There's a constant interaction going on. So imagine like the roots going into the planet. in all of the generations which have come before us, 
human and animal and plant, mineral, all of those ancestors, they make up the planet. And we are, we are so-called secretion of that planet. We have emerged out of it. And when the time comes to die, we get back into it. It's like a wave movement. You know how intimately we are entangled with all of this. There's really no boundaries. And to really sense that intuitively, this is a very important practice for this time as we are on this threshold where it's become vital for us to understand this truth to really stand under it so that it will change our ways of thinking and acting in the world. First, we really need to know it and then we can live from it and not the other way around. We really first need to integrate that information which has gotten lost. There is still, you know, some of our indigenous brothers and sisters who do live from that place. And they have been warning us, you know, over the last 30, 40, 50 years, but they really didn't get taken serious by most people. And so we have lost that capacity for listening and perceiving through not using it for so long. But it's dormant in us still now and we can awaken it. We can rekindle that. And uh, this is what I would really like to support with those uh, Wednesday meetings online and also the Saturday meetings here in person. To really focusing on rekindling the capacity to sense that deep entanglement. As a, as a form of a Brahma Vihara practice, you know, where we are holding the presence of the planet of which we are part of in this deep embrace and unconditioned love and appreciation for the miracle and the mystery which we cannot really understand with the thinking mind but the heart knows. So maybe you can bring up an image, you know, of the planet, how it was seen, I think in the 60s, 
the first time, you know, from outer space, that the first photos came to us. And you know how the astronauts spoke that how deeply they were moved, you know, with so much love and so much wonder and you know, sense of gratitude was coming up when they saw that for the first time a human being could see with their own eye that side of this beautiful jewel in space. And that's our home, there is no second one. We need to make peace with what we've got. There is no escape. Even, you know, the mind has the capacity to vision all kinds of futuristic scenarios, but it's not realistic to think that we could live anywhere else but on this planet for the foreseeable many, many years. This is our training ground. This is our mother, really. And we never cut the umbilical cord. And as a species, we need to make that step now to reintegrate that which we have known for many, many thousands of years as we were developing. And then we forgot it because we got kind of sidetracked. And now we are coming back reminds me when we speak about uh, the development of children the, the so-called reproachment phase you know where the child goes out and then it gets scared and comes back and that's good you know because the fear brings the child back to the parent brings it back to be safe if we see it that way you know it makes a lot of sense what's happening now It's a development uh, stage. And we are very immature species. You know, the average uh, age, you know, for mammalian species on this planet is, I have heard, is about 2.7 million years. You know, we are just 200,000 years around our species. We are very young. We are very, very young. And we are cute and pathetic because we're thinking we are the king on the throne, you know, because we can do some kind of technological effects, but they are totally divorced from the basis we are living off. 
bring up that sense of caring and kindness, you know, for the planet and for ourselves. The cute and pathetic toddler homo sapiens. Toddling around and thinking and completely overestimating him or herself. And it's okay, you know, that's part of what it is to be a toddler. But being cute enough, so we are caught back, caught back to reground ourselves. And also noticing what that does you know, to the heart if we see our species in that light. And if we see all of those uh, people or groups of people which we sometimes you know, feel very self-righteous about, if you see them just as cute and pathetic, as toddlers, who throwing one tantrum after the other, and holding space for that, because this is a evolutionary threshold and it's not going to be like a quick fix. So with the in-breath, you know, feeling how you're feeling, your heart. And with the out-breath, just relaxing into the spaciousness and allowing that feeling of metta to radiate out in front of you. And then to one side. And behind.
get aside. And in front of us, above and below. We're sitting in an orb of matter. If the mind wanders off into thinking about something, just bring it back to the spaciousness. And if the distraction is more, you know, insistent and longer, just maybe starting again with the image of the planet in space or the image of the, you know, the toddler throwing a tantrum. Then allowing the heart to respond with that sense of unconditional love and appreciation. For the mystery of what it is to be alive and to be a secretion of this planet which is a secretion of the universe. In incredible time frames, which the mind cannot really grasp. But the biointelligence of the body can intuit, can sense, can reground itself in that mystery and start to live and act more from that place. 
which is not a real place, it's a constant changing process. Can tune in. Can reestablish and rekindle that deep entanglement with everything or interbeing as the Venerable Thich called it. And relaxing into that which cannot be named. And now being aware of the spaciousness of the mind and the sense of contentment and subtle joy, which is a integral part of the mind, which doesn't cling. Just pay attention to that. And then allowing the breath to take you more deeper into the space, which doesn't end at the walls of this room. And listening into that space. You know, the whole body can listen. So dropping another meta and just listening into the space, into the silence with your whole body.
And now we can just let go of the spaciousness and become aware of that which knows about the space. Awareness itself. And being conscious of awareness. It's like, you know, making a U-turn. Awareness being aware of itself. And, you know, no need to think about that, but just allowing the mind to respond when it hears those words as good as it can right now. It's a training, really. And it's slowly going to sink into the mind like that, that instruction. So becoming aware of the mirror's capacity to reflect effortless. It's not a frozen mirror, but it's a, it's a flux, it's a flow. Being conscious of that, of this reflective capacity. We call it awareness. And that's also the refuge of Buddha. the knowing. And knowing what is going on and not drowning in it.
noticing, you know, the subtle joy or the sense of contentment when the mind doesn't cling to anything. Just allowing everything to be here and to teach us. About impermanence, about instability and not self or emptiness, interbeing, entanglement. So the demand will let go. And as my first teacher, Ajahn Buddha Dasa, called it, that the letting go, throwing it all back to nature. The rightful owner of all of this. Giving it back. Giving up that sense of mastery and ownership and using the planet as a resource base and growing up and seeing no it's very different it's not all just for us we are part of it but we are just we are not special we are unique but we are not special. And every species is unique. And we all have a job to do in the big picture. And for now, our job is to grow up. and take responsibility, be an elder, be a good ancestor for the generations to come. And at the same time, you know, giving back for what we have received from the generations which came before us. <laughs> 